Hi, I'm Molly Weinberg, and I'm a Philly-based lifestyle influencer who gives all the deets when it comes to wellness, travel, even entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Molly Weinberg Podcast, where I chat with experts ranging from gut health specialists to fashion icons and everything in between. I want to share all the specifics to help you live your best life. I'm not sparing any details. Yep, no questions are off limits. Every week, you will walk away from each episode feeling more motivated and more informed than before. Tune in weekly to the Molly Weinberg Podcast to never miss a beat. think if you're the collector and you're going to start this as a family conversation, um, you bring everybody together and you try not to point blame on anybody. And we can say some of us collect more than others for whatever reason. And, and you know what? It doesn't really matter why, you know, and the, and the whole scheme of things, who cares why it is where it is now. But if we're going to work on this house, then let's figure out some priorities and maybe find out which spaces are most important to different people. founder and CEO of Specialty Moves by Design, where she considers her work to be as much a mission as a business. Together, she and her team have moved over 1,800 clients. These moves are from old home to new, and this has been over the past 14 years. Jill lives in Lehigh Valley of Eastern Pennsylvania and speaks regionally and nationally. She has twice served on the board of directors of the National Association of Senior and Specialty Move Managers. It was such a pleasure talking with Jill, as you'll hear throughout. She is a wonderful speaker. Her voice and honestly, overall energy gives me sweet Paula Dean vibes. You'll hear what I mean. And don't think that just because you're not elderly or older, I should say, this episode isn't for you. This episode is really for everyone. And the more you listen, the more you'll understand. So Jill, thank you so much for being here with me today. Delighted to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. Yes, I feel like the best place to start is simply how I got connected with you. And my mom is going through a downsizing moment in her life where her kids are grown, me being one of them. (laughs) And um, my dad actually passed away a few years ago. So Mm -hmm. her living in the house that we grew up in was just like too much in every way. And she saw something advertised where you were doing a live event, like a live seminar. And she grabbed her sisters and we're like, we're going to go to this. And she came back and called and was like, Molly, she was fascinating. She was such an engaged speaker. I learned so much. I think you should look into her for your podcast. So that's how we're sitting here now. But I'm curious, how often are you doing live seminars? And what's like your biggest takeaway from those? Wow, that's a good question. First of all, tell your mom I said thank you. It's I it's will. always it's always fun when folks come to the live events. We started doing a lot of Zoom over COVID, like everybody else did. Um, and we're back to doing live. We I average probably about um I don't know upwards of a hundred a year sometimes. Wow. Um, I have now a six part series. Sometimes, uh, you know, an organization will call and say, "Can you just do something on downsizing, or can you just do something on um." how to choose a home, you know, as we're looking in our retirement years um, and what kind of our choice, what are our choices? And somebody else says, I just want something on aging in place. And so I can do one at a time, but I've created this series of six, which kind of ends up being, folks say it's kind of like a master's degree in, oh my gosh, 
you know, we're, we're probably in a house that's way too big and it's costing too much and it's too far away from where we want to be. And, um, and we want something different. Um, and, and so it's, it's how do we start? And there's very few resources out there that talk people through this. So the biggest takeaway I get from doing this is that not only did I live this with my parents, but I'm living it with myself now. And I've downsized twice because I'm in the business, you know. So at 64, I did my second downsize, um, but I own Airbnbs. And I know that what do you really need to have in a home? It's not everything that we keep in our houses, you know, that we really need. And the more people that come and talk to me, the more I see that this isn't a, it isn't even an aging problem. A lot of people like to say, oh, it's because they're old and they have to get a smaller house. There's a lot of people at different stages in their lives that are just saying, I just need simpler. I need less complicated. Mm -hmm. um, and so they come and I get buoyed up by them. It's always fun when they say, oh my gosh, I got so much energy from your talk. But I have to tell you, I get so much energy from um, them being there. And it's always really fun when I try to keep it humorous. It's it's sometimes, a, you know, it can be kind of a serious topic for some folks and an emotional topic too, if you're talking about giving up things. Um, but I try to add humor and I talk about my own experiences and things too. And the takeaway comes back that very few of us are living a minimalist life. Mm -hmm. And even people who kind of strive for that normally feel kind of insecure in their homes. They feel like it's not quite good enough or it's too much of something or another. And I think we we all need to start by taking a little chill pill and saying, you know, let's let's do some some really nice self-care talk that we're not overly critical. Um, there's reasons why our houses fill up with things and stuff. And sometimes it's just because you're a really giving person and you're taking care of a lot of people and it just kind of shows up. But it's really encouraging when folks, especially if they come to the series, they come the first week, the second time they come, they go, oh my gosh, you won't believe what I did. I did my junk drawer. And then they come back later and they go, okay, I didn't really do anything for the first three weeks, but I'm thinking about it. And then by the fifth week, some of them are saying, I got my girlfriend to come over and she helped me. And oh my gosh, you know, we got so much done. And you see the energy that comes out of people when they see that they're affecting real change in their lives. And um, it's not as hard as you think it's going to be if you have some tools. Absolutely. When you meet someone, I'm curious, do you say like, hi, I'm Jill and I help people simplify their lives, become minimalist? Like what's your, I am blank and I do blank. That's interesting because normally I say, well, they say, what do you do? Mm -hmm. So if they say, what do we do? Well, sometimes I say, well, we're senior move managers. And the first thing people say is, I don't, what is that? And I said, <laughs> I said, my next life, I'm coming back as a tire salesman. I always say that because I sell tires because everybody knows what a tire is. They know that they need them. Nobody wants to pay for them, but you do. Um, and so I say, you know, we help people um, transition to their best life and um, how to figure out what is important in our lives that gives us comfort and peace or allows us to function in a way that that um, is enjoyable and what things um, don't pretty much. And, and it doesn't mean that it's not important or that it wasn't special or precious in some way. It's just, we're in a new season. And by moving into a new season of our lives, we're, 
we need to give ourselves permission to say, um, while this was important all these years, and while these memories of my mom or my grandma were really important, I'm moving into a new season and I can keep the essence of that, but I don't have to keep the stuff. I and so, that. yeah, yeah. You know, and the, and the, and the realization that going through new seasons is actually a good thing. You know, nobody, nobody in their 60s says, I want to be in my 20s forever. <laughs> and people who've gotten through the 20s and the 30s are sometimes going, oh my gosh, you know, I never want to go back to that. Or they didn't want to get through their 40s or whatever. Um, to be able to enjoy each new season of your life, uh, your needs change. And that your your living structure changes, what you need for that to work for you changes. Um, and I think we sometimes forget in in America where bigger is better um, and where people tend to, I got a bigger job, I got a better job, we're making more money, you get a bigger house. Mm -hmm. You know, if you talk to generations past, people in their 80s, 90s, sometimes they lived in the same house their whole life. Mm -hmm. And even though it got a little bit crowded sometimes when the kids were there and then got emptied a little bit and then got maybe more crowded when grandkids and things are around, um, then it gets a little bit emptier again. Um, it's, it's one of those things where we don't really have to keep upsizing, but a lot of us do. And the problem with that is as long as we have space, what do we do? We fill it. We fill it. You yes. know, it just happens. It's, it's not causing anybody any trouble. We have the closet space, so it's Okay. But at some point, most of us get to a point, and it might be when you're an empty nester and your kids have grown, but it might even be before then when you just start to say, oh my gosh, I'm overwhelmed by what I thought was the blessings of all this stuff, and I need to do something different. And that's a season too. And sometimes it's just a season because life is complicated and um, family relationships are complicated or work or money or whatever. We start to say, what can I change easily? You know, you can't always get rid of relatives or things like that. Um, but, you know, sometimes just getting rid of some stuff. Um, I don't like to say getting rid of. I usually say we find new homes for it. And um, and if it's not someone you love, that's going to get it. You know, everybody wants their kids to get it. I mean, your mom probably is saying, oh, I need to downsize. Can you take all these things that are precious to me? Yeah. <laughs> and, and the kids are normally like, no, I got And because their homes are full too. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's really just this process of honoring the pieces that had some importance and then trying to connect them with the next, the next person in line, who's going to appreciate them and understand that it may not be family. It may not be anybody you even know, you know, it could be somebody you give it to a donation site and they give it to a family um, that just their house burned down, you know? how are they going to appreciate what you just parted with so much more than your child who's looked at that same piece of furniture for 30 years and said, I'm really tired of it, you know, but here you've got people that really can use it and appreciate it. And um, I think that when people start to understand that that's the kind of impact that we can have with the things that we're not using, it starts to give us a reason, a why. And I think everybody needs that why in order to, you know, take on something like this. I love that. I think something you hit on that I want to emphasize is that even though you're an expert with the senior moving, it doesn't necessarily mean that you only can help. <laughs> Absolutely. So thank you for saying that because our company was started as Senior Moves by Design. And in January of 2021, I think, mm -hmm. um, it was in the middle of COVID. You know, we 
kind of dates kind of run together is a blur. <clears throat> we shifted to, no, it was 2020, January of 2020. We shifted to specialty moves by design. And that was because we were getting phone calls and actually our national association, which is, um, we call it NASM, but it's the National Association of Senior and Specialty Move Managers, which is really a mouthful. Um, <laughs> but they said they were getting a lot of phone calls from folks who were going through a divorce. And you have two people who have to split contents and move them to different places and they're both working and there's kids involved and there's emotion involved. And how do we do this? And then there's people that um, have had folk friends in the military or family members in the military and somebody doesn't come home. And now you have someone who's going to move alone and they don't have their life partner who they thought they were going to have, or, or it's a joyful thing. And now you've got two people who, you know, have got their own homes or their own apartments, and now they want to combine two together for this joyful new space that they're going to live in. Um, we actually have uh, uh, folks that are in their 50s and 60s who have, um, their kids have moved on, so they're not really seniors and they're not retired, um, but they maybe had a modest house for all their life, and now they're at a point where they paid for college and all these other things, and now they're saying, I had three kids, but now there's six kids because they're all married, and by the way, now we have 12 grandkids, and we want to continue to host events at our home, and so there are people who in their 50s are buying the mega mansion now because they can, and they're actually upscaling at a time when some of their peers are downsizing. And so there's all kinds of reasons why um, people move. But I can tell you, I hired my company um, about a year and a half ago to move me. And the biggest problem for me was when you said, you know, you can be an expert at this, is that my mom had a house that I would say had a place for everything and everything in his place. Um, I did not inherit that gene. Uh, you know, clutter followed me, especially yep. paper clutter. Oh my word. And I'd had a paint, a little painting business, a tile firing business. And, and then I was a stager. So I had a basement filled when I sold my last house and I downsized into a luxury apartment about a year ago, two bedroom. And until I decided where I wanted to be. And, um, I had a basement with probably, I had 10 air mattresses. I had, um, 60 pieces of art, you know, kind of home, you know, home goods art, you know, you're not real yeah. expensive art. Um, I had uh, 40 sets of bedding. Mm. I mean, there was every decor item you could want was in my basement. In addition to things from my mom who had recently passed. And then some of the things my kids had left plus the craft stuff. Mm. I mean, it was embarrassing. You know, I tell people in my talks, <clears throat> they say, Oh, I don't really want you to come see my house because I'm embarrassed. It's not going to look perfect. And I said, Oh, you know, I finally showed a few people the pictures of my basement before <laughs> we actually purchased it. And I said, I can speak to these things because I live them every day. You know, I meet minimalist people who just don't have this and they don't get it. Mm -hmm. And so I understand the emotional part of parting with things. I understand the amount of time it takes, that mental math you're doing about how many of this do I need to keep? If I get rid of too many, am I going to miss it? And things. And so by living through it myself through now two downsizings, um, I really get it. And I can tell you living in an 1150 square foot apartment um, is, is just bliss. It's just so much, it's so much cheaper. My insurance is really inexpensive. My gas and electric bills are really low. 
compared to having the house. I don't have to worry about the maintenance outside. You know, it always looks beautiful. Um, it's, it's, I open a cabinet and I know exactly what's in it. I don't have to go searching in closets for things. I don't have to spend weekends cleaning up because there's not that much space to mess up. It's, it's just really, I'm kind of like the, the person who quits smoking and then is after everybody else who's smoking. Now I'm like, <laughs> you really need to get rid of your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to feel so much better. Let's say you meet with a potential client and they say to you, I have so much stuff. I don't know where to begin. You know, what do you advise? Like, do you say step one is junk drawer? Do you go through their papers? Like where, where does it begin? That's a great question. So if they are going to stay in their house and they just want to, we always call it downsizing in your own space. You know, how do you really upsize your usefulness of your home without moving? And at that point, then you're, you're going to pick some of those places that I usually say to people, um, pick what would be the easiest place to start and what would be, what's your biggest pain point? So what we don't want to do is to work through weeks of purging and things and leaving that pain point hanging over their head for the whole time. But maybe on the first day you want to start with, let's, let's do the junk drawer. I love doing junk drawers and, and I have a picture of mine when I emptied mine and I put everything on the Island that did not go back in the junk drawer. I mean, it looks like how did it even fit in there in the first place, but I found a big magnifying glass. I don't even know where that came from. I don't remember ever having a magnifying glass. I don't know if it was my mom's or something. Um, there were old cables for how do you plug your phone into the wall, you know, back when we had the landlines and things like that. So anyway, so we can start with things like that because that's something you open every day and you don't realize how many times you open it until you clean it out. And then every time you open it, you go, oh, this is nice. Oh, this is nice. Yeah. And you go, okay, that's great. So you want some of those repeat places. I also did the two cabinets in my kitchen that hold, held the dishes and the bowls and things like that. Because when I opened them up, and it was all mixed matched. And, and then I had a little bit of Tupperware in there and, you know, you always have the Tupperware without the lid. And, and then you have the cups that got chipped and things because the kids, you know, banged it against the sink before it went in the dishwasher. And I cleaned all those out and, um, and I'm only five foot two. <laughs> There's a lot of people that are much taller than I am that can reach every shelf. I can't, I can reach to the top, to the front of the second shelf. And so what I did for the first time is I put the dishes I use all the time on the bottom. I was always reaching to the second shelf because there were things on the first shelf that I just didn't move. And so I'm on my toes all the time. And I thought, why am I doing this? And so that cabinet, when I opened it up, was so pretty. And I had gone to Home Goods and bought all new dishes. And my daughter, when I brought them home, said, what are you doing? We have plenty of dishes. And she said, you're turning into a dish hoarder. And I go, no, no, no. I'm going to clean out the ones that are chipped or broken or mismatched. There's only two of them. And I did. And I swear my cabinet looked like Martha Stewart. Now. That's if you're staying in your home um, or if you're thinking, you know, someday I might move, but it's not anytime soon. If you're contemplating a move, though, um, you don't have time to spend, you know, weeks and months going through a junk drawer in, in a closet. Um, some people are finding that they got a new job and they've got to move fast. Um, other people are thinking, well, I wasn't sure my house would sell and what's happening these days, you know, it sells in 12 hours or 36 hours. And now you're in a panic because now you have to move fast and all that decluttering you were planning to do all of a sudden has to be done tomorrow. And so for that, I have a process that we use, um, with our clients and it doesn't matter the age. 
I tell people start with a pack of the small post-it notes. And if there is more than one person in the home, they each get their own color. And they should have a stack that's no more. I usually use half of the, if you get the little post-its that are, you know, the one by two inch size, there's usually like a hundred in one of those. You don't give people a hundred stickers, <laughs> maybe 40, which sounds like they go, I think I'm going to need more. And I go, trust me, you don't need more than 40. You probably shouldn't have that many. And I just tell people, this is going to be really fast. Um, I say, if you go through your home, start in each room and put a post-it note on the things that you love or the things that function well for you, like you would take the television, right? Um, and, um, but in one living room, you might find or family room, the great room, um, maybe nobody likes the sofa. You know, maybe they used to like the sofa, they don't like it, but it doesn't have any stickers on it. Well, guess what? That is probably not going. Um, and yet the things that are going are really clearly marked. And if there's three stickers, or if it's just a couple that live there, two stickers on the same piece, that means that that piece has some meaning either by function or because it has a special meaning from you bought it together or was from vacation or came from a family member or something, and or you saved up a lot of money to buy it, waiting for that. And so that's the thing that you know that you want to keep with you. That's a cool tactic. Yeah. And and I, I learned it by trying the Marie Kondo method. And I love Marie and her, her Netflix show is fabulous. And I, you know, I could memorize her books, but I found that when you're downsizing, if you're staying in your home, I think it's really good. If you are moving, but you're moving to a similar size space or maybe bigger, like a lot of us do as our families are growing, um, maybe that's okay. But if you're downsizing, um, her, her thought about, we're going to pick up everything and see, does it bring joy? And if it doesn't, you know, we thank it and put it in a spot and move on. Um, we found for people who have to move quickly, there's just not time to do that. Um, and I tried it also in my, um, some of us are kind of instant gratification people. I try my sock drawer and I don't wear socks a lot. I mean, it has to be cold for me to wear socks. And, um, I was going through my sock drawer. And so I finally was like, oh my gosh, this is taking me forever. So I looked and said, said, if, if the, if the house was on fire, which socks would I grab on the way out the door? And so I grabbed five and I said, well, I'll put five more in just in case, you know, we had a really cold spell or something. And then I took the contents of the drawer and dumped it in a trash bag because I thought I, my time now as a mom and, you know, owner of a company, I have 30 employees now, which are like family. We have a hundred new clients a year. There's a lot of people that need me every day. I don't have time to go through every piece in my house and touch it all. And so I said, how can we do this and be effective? And so that post-it note method is a really, it's kind of the opposite, you know, of, of looking at everything. It says, I'm going to look in this space and say, um, you know, this room is a den or it's a guest room. How many times have we had a guest in the last year? And if it's never, then in the last two years or three years, because some of us set these rooms up um, and then we don't use them. Or we have the eating space in the kitchen and then we have the dining, you know, the formal dining room or the formal living room. I call that, you know, the museum living room. Um, now houses have a lot of great rooms because people started to go, we don't really need two of these places. And so you might go past a whole room and say, there's nothing in here that I would take with me. And I say, if you don't, if you don't see the stickers on it, close the doors and put done on it. 
and then move on to the next space. Oh, wow. Because what you're doing is saying, I'm not going to spend a lot of energy digging through things that I already know have no value to me. And so it's kind of a very quick judgment. Um, and then you're going to hit certain rooms where you're going to have to dig. You know, you know, it's the, it's the room that's got all your books for those people who love books or, um, God forbid us poor crafters that get a craft room and you have, you know, 50 projects that you've started and never finished. So I think a lot of us put ourselves through agony, a feeling like we have to touch everything. Now, when Marie talks to people, a lot of these people are really connected to each of those items and they can't get through it any other way. And if you have the time to do that, then that might be what works best for you. But for those people who are finding that the time that they have is not going to allow them to do that process. We found that this process is a really good one for, for moving forward quickly. This sounds so mental more than anything else. Yeah. Do you ever work with, or have you ever worked with people who are legitimate hoarders who just have things from, you know, floor to ceiling? Yep. We have, um, if you remember the TV show, um, which a lot of us saw in, um, I had a hard time ever getting through all of them. I know Matt Paxton, who was the the star on that show. Um, he's now got a show on PBS talking more about the treasures in people's homes. Um, he, he said it was a really hard show to do for a long time. And he didn't like that people were labeled as hoarders. Uh, that was the one thing that his takeaway, he wasn't happy about. But he did accomplish the fact that the AMA um, designated hoarding as a, um, as a, um, mental condition in that now you can actually Medicare, Medicaid can get help for it. So that was a huge progress in it. Um, and it is a mental, it's a mental issue. Um, but there's multiple levels of hoarding. If you get into the folks who are really experts and I've got friends that do it all the time, um, it takes special people to do it. Um, and there's different gradations. A lot of us are level ones. I can tell you, or even level twos, um, and you don't have to have dead cats and piles seven feet high, um, but I have been in houses with that, and um, it's we've helped, helped probably a half a dozen people over the years. We we really don't do it so much anymore. It it takes special people who can do that, and most of my staff isn't trained in that at this point, and some of them have helped people on, on lower level of hoarding, um, but it is a mental, it is a mental situation. It tends to be, um, you know, people say, what is the profile of a person who um, struggles with a hoarding disorder, and they tend to be intelligent people. Um, they tend to be caring and kind people, um, very sacrificial people. And oftentimes they're teachers or nurses, people like that. Um, we have helped a few that were teachers. Um, one was a, um, she worked in a school and she had a singular profession where she saw all the students. So while some of the teachers had 30 kids, and so if they went out to buy gifts at the dollar store, they're buying 30. She saw 400. And so what did she do when she went to the dollar store? She would buy enough so she would have enough for 400 kids. But if she didn't wow. actually get them, yeah, if she didn't actually get them passed out or got to the end of the year, um, you know, she and she wouldn't buy 400 at a time, she would buy a special. And so you figure if you go in and say, I'm going to spend 
that's 20 items, sometimes more if there's a multi-pack, mm-hmm. you know, so she might come back with a hundred items. And then the next time she goes and she buys some more and, um, uh, she knew she was doing it when Matt would walk through the house with folks on the television show, they would date stamp the house. And he said that everybody, they worked with a thousand people, I think over the 10 years, he said, everybody they, they worked with had experienced a trauma that had not been dealt with. And the hoarding sense. behavior was the bomb that they used to sort of self-medicate to protect their hearts. And so he said, like, you would go into this one room and they'd, he'd say, where did the hoarding start? They'll take you right to it. It's this bedroom. What happened in here? 1964 is when the baby died. Mm. And if you look at things that are in there, they're from 1964, 1965. And then the door got closed. And then, you know, at some point grandma moved in and then mom came in here and then they're taking care of grandma and stuff. And then grandma got sick and then things started to pile up and things like that. And then grandma dies in that room. And so all of a sudden that stuff is grandma's and you put more grandma's stuff in there and then, but it's hard to look at grandma's stuff. And so we just close the door on that. And then it ends up being the way it kind of a habit, you know, when lost my job or something else happened. And so we collected things and I didn't spend a lot of money, you know, cause I went to the dollar store and, or what happens today a lot, which is really sad is people are just running their credit cards through places like QVC because they look at the people on QVC as their friends. Because you can call in, hi, it's Margaret or it's Jill. I'm calling back in. Oh yes, what did you, did you love the ring? Oh yes, I bought the ring last week. How do you like it? Oh, I love it. Oh, you know, it comes in five more colors. Yes, I'm buying them all. And this became a social outlet for a lot of folks because they didn't have people in their homes anymore. Mm -hmm. It's easy to do that relationship on TV because your voice is all they hear. They don't see your home. And so you have all these friends on television that you're acting with. And part of the the deal about the calling in is you're buying things. Mm -hmm. And so we've watched that a lot where we'll go in and it's either Amazon or QVC or something like that, where they've got boxes never opened, still in the bags. Um, But we try as much as it is very slippery slope. It's very slippery slope. And generally we have to remember that unless someone's been deemed incompetent, it's their home, you know, and it's their property and we can't force them to do something. Even if they tell us they want us to, you know, it's a lot of coaching through. Um, we've watched family members that brought a dumpster in front of a house and then gone in and hauled things out into the dumpster. Um, sometimes when mom wasn't home and then she comes home and knows that things are missing and then we find out later that this lady, I, this happened with a woman who was in her eighties. I found out later that she told me at night she was dumpster diving and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you should not be in that dumpster. I'm thinking, you know, it's cold outside. What if she got in? She couldn't get out. Um, but she was feeling very uh, violated by her family because they said, well, I'm only throwing out the stuff that's trash. And, and honestly, a lot of it is trash. Sometimes we've had people with water bottles you know, every empty water bottle they've had. Um, and they're like, well, no, but it has to go into recycle. Well, you have recycle. We have a recycle bin. We can wow. do that. But just even going through recycling um, things was really kind of interesting. So yeah, so um, we don't tend to do that, but there are people, um, the organization um, is ICD. Uh, I just think they're just angels on earth here that that take these projects and love doing them. 
and have really kind ways to help people be their best their best selves and they can help to transform the spaces. Now, the one problem that you have is unless you're going to deal with the reasons why it happened in the first place, it's probably going to reoccur. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things where it's, um, it's a lifelong struggle for some people, unfortunately. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That got really deep. (laughs) It did get deep. So let's go something more fun. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So people who are listening to this podcast are most likely in their twenties or thirties and, you know, they have parents who may be in the same situation as my mom. And maybe they're thinking, wow, I really want my mom or dad or, you know, aunt, uncle, whoever to have this guidance. Mm -hmm. What aside from like in-person services do you offer? What do you recommend? Is there a book that you recommend? Like anything that's like, this is going to help you downsize tomorrow. You know what? There's a number of books out there. Um, Joshua Becker is great. He's got a lot of books. He's called The Minimalist. Um, He talks a lot about the importance of family and how sometimes the time we spend caring for our stuff um, makes it harder for us to be with family. So for people who maybe have worked all their lives and are now coming to a point where they're thinking, you know, my kids are out, you guys are all grown, but now you've got grandkids and now I really want to get involved with that. Um, and yet they've got this house to take care of and all this other stuff. And they find that they keep in, in this mental battle about, I'd really like to be there with you with the kids, but I have this other stuff I have to do. And I've got to get the grass again. And it takes me all day and all these kinds of things. And um, Joshua Becker's really good at helping to make the decisions about the why, you know, why, why do we even start this? Um, and I always tell people without a why, it's a hard process to get through. Um, so if you're talking about young people trying to help um, their parents, the first thing I would say is um, no guilt. You know, um, a lot of times uh, mom and dad's houses are um, are full because um, they have bought things for you and to help to care for you and to help raise you. And it's served a season. Um, and so, uh, and their lives are busy. And do they really have as much time to go through all this? Maybe not because um, they might still be working and maybe they still volunteer or they do other things on the side. And so they've made their priorities. But if they want to move, one of the things I always tell people, no matter what age you are, but certainly if you're in your twenties and thirties and you haven't lived through a lot of generations of collecting items and things like that, um, is to know that um, everybody is different. Uh, You might have one parent who's like, throw it all out. I'm fine with it. I have no attachment to this at all. And the other one, probably in reaction to that, is holding on even tighter. I think so. I say, yeah. I always say, and I tell people, and I get young people that come to my classes too. um, And I'll say, you know, in most couples, there's a collector and a tolerator. Yeah, he is very much so. He tolerates me. Yeah. So I always say to the people, if you know that your partner is the tolerator, every once in a while, you just have to throw them a bone and say, what part of this house? I know you would probably love this whole house to be transformed, but if I could fix one thing for you, what thing matters most? You might think it's one thing. Your husband might say, just do the your clothes closet. And you might say, you don't even go in there. He goes, I can't stand to see all that money you spend on clothes and on shoes on the floor. It just makes me crazy. I don't care about the kitchen. And you're like, oh, okay, well, I could do that. So part of it is communication, a really big part. I think if you're the collector and you're going to start this as a family conversation, um, you bring everybody together and you try not to point blame. 
on anybody. And we can say some of us collect more than others for whatever reason. And, and you know what? It doesn't really matter why, you know, and the, and the whole scheme of things, who cares why it is where it is now. But if we're going to work on this house, then let's figure out some priorities and maybe find out which spaces are most important to different people. Um, and then if you're going to help someone, I always tell people, do not tell them I'm going to help you by backing a dumpster into your driveway. And I will help you with my friends come haul things out to the street. And I said, it's really not nice, even though I hear a lot of kids saying that and they go, oh my gosh, I don't have that much time. We're just going to bring it. We're going to do it fast and get it done. But to the person who's watching you bring your friends in, um, they, they, you don't know what's important to them you know, unless they've told you. So one of the things you can do is go back to the post-it note thing. Anything that has a post-it note on it is not up for discussion. Don't even bring it up because there's probably plenty of other things that you can look at. So if you're saying, I want to help my mom, well, what if you had four siblings over five of you? And what if all five people left things in that house? And so mom's looking at that stuff too and thinking, it's not just the things that I use and are important to me. I'm looking at all of your stuff too, because when I sell this house, I have to get rid of my stuff, but I also have to get rid of your stuff. And now I'm also waiting for you five to tell me what's important. And that's one of yes. the biggest frustrations on the parent side. Your mom may say that. Yes. I've got this stuff in the garage, I've got this stuff in the basement. I've been asking you guys for two years to come figure out what you want. And, and actually, then there's some kids who say, oh, well, I can't get it yet because my house, I'm still in the apartment or my house is really small. Can you just hold on to it for a while? And so what do mom and dad do? They become a storage unit. Yeah. And so the reality, I would say, for younger folks who are watching their parents going through a downsizing is to say, can we first start with a family meeting? And, and we as support people would like to know, you tell us what's really important to you. What's precious? You don't have to explain why necessarily, but if you can sticker things or say, you know what? I kept all my personal letters from your dad in this chest of drawers and things. Um, that's off limits. Mm -hmm. I don't want anybody going digging through that. I don't want friends coming in or whatever. You and your friends can have at it in the basement. We find that oftentimes when the kids are asked to help all of a sudden, well, you know what I've got, but I've got, I'm getting my master's on the side at night and, or I've got, you know, I've got my kids and I've got, you know, work and then I have to get them up from daycare and then they've got dance recital. And what do you advise for people who like, I'm thinking about this personally now. So late twenties, early thirties, starting a family, how do you, how do we prevent accumulating so many things for our child and God willing future children? And then that's part one. And part two was like, when we're out buying things, do you advise like the Marie Kondo thing of like picking it up before you even own it and saying like, do I need this? Is this bring me joy? Is there a reason to have this in the house? Yes, no, put it down, put it in the cart. Let's start with that one. That's really important. And it's, it, it you know, was the advent of credit cards that really caused, start causing the problems in America. Because before you would go shop for things, find out what they cost. You would wait until you made the money or you would set aside so much money a month that you could use for certain things. And when you had the cash, you would take the cash out and, and, and get it. You know, I watch people swiping credit cards on $600, you know, video things for kids and stuff that I think if they had to go and take out $100 bills or $20 bills, you know, five times six is 30 $20 bills to pile up and then go, this is what I'm going to give to get that. And don't we already have one of these? 
maybe it's a little bit older or something like that. Um, I think we don't think enough about what we're buying or what the cost of it is. I think it's why so many people have got credit card issues and things because it's too easy to swipe. Um, I love Amazon as much as the next person, but it's really easy to fill that basket. Click, click, click. It's already stored your credit card. It already knows your address as you say, go. And all of a sudden it shows up at your house. Um, I do like the whole notion that um, a place for everything and everything in its place. Um, that I think is really critical. Um, I think don't get a place that's bigger than what you need is also really important. Um, but if you do the place for everything and everything in its place, that means basically if you have your home, I always like to say it's comfortably full. Um, then when something comes in, something has to go out. And that's something a lot of us talk about. I think few of us do. Um, I did also see on Facebook. I love this. One of my girlfriends, um, was showing that with her little kids, they actually take that. They said that, you know, they clear out their toys before, um, before Christmas, before Santa brings more and they would donate them. But what her family does is they actually fill each child had to fill a trash bag of toys that they were willing to donate and they were put under the tree and they were left for Santa so that Santa would take those toys for other children before he brought the new toys in. I think that helps us to see that um, we don't just throw things away. Um, but I'll tell you the best advice I got for children. I was on the board of our preschool when my daughters were little. And I did that for probably eight or 10 years. And I loved it. And I I had the same problem everybody else did. I had two girls. So we had every Barbie piece that you could buy. And then we get some of the other little dolls and then, you know, you buy the house and then you buy the car and it has all the little things that go in and pretty soon you've got, you know, a thousand little pieces. And I said to the director one day, I said, why is it that this preschool with all these kids, the toys are always neat and tidy. And, and, you know, some of us go home and the playroom looks like a bomb went off. And she said, we feel, we think that we're doing our children a favor, especially the little ones. When we give them lots of toys, oh, this one's educational. And so they're going to learn. And this one's something else. And she said, but their little brains, when they dump everything out on the floor, that's really a sign of desperation. They can't comprehend what to do with this. And so they have to see it all and they make a mess. That's not a fun situation, really, she said. It's actually a stress situation for little ones. She said, what we do in the preschool is every, I don't know, I think it was every week, they put out one toy that you could climb on. Even if it was just like one of those little tiny tot slides, they had one toy that you could ride on. You could sit on, you know, power scooter or something like that. They would have one thing that was a fine motor skill that was, you could sit at a table with a crayon or something like that and do it. They had then two others that were doing some kind of interactive and one that could be done by a child by themselves. And she said, that's all they got. And she said, and they would make it work and they would play with that. And she said, and then the next week or the next month, if you're at home, depending on how your kids are or whatever, you put those away, lock them up and bring out a different set. She always said, you know, they would have the kids there and nobody was ever bored. They never complained that their favorite toy wasn't there because they knew that it was going to cycle back. And um, so she said, that's what all of us moms were doing wrong. That's really cool. That's a, way, a great way to think about it. Yeah. How did you get into this? How did you start oh, man. the process? My mom and dad moved a lot. 
Um, they, uh, we, we moved a couple of times when I was growing up. I moved a number of times with corporate transfers and things. I probably moved nine times. Um, my parents had moved a few times. So every time we moved, it's like, are we taking all this stuff? Oh, you know, it's a good time to clean out. I always feel bad for the people that lived in the same house for 40 years, because if you lived in the house for 40 years, you probably didn't have a big enough why to clean it out. And now you have 40 years of stuff that you have to start dealing with right away. Um, but I always say, I think winter time to me is my cocoon time. It's my home time. You know, if you look at the Zodiac, I'm not really big into Zodiac, but I'm a cancer and we're really homebodies. And so I always find that January, February, when it's a time when you're inside, is a good time to pick a project and start to say, what am I going to do that's a gift to me? that I'm going to work on. And you might find that there's nobody in your family. And even if it's just you and your husband, he may have no interest in helping you. And you've got to make peace with that and say, you know what, if this is what's really important to me, I'm going to do it. It's going to be my gift. And don't pick something that's too big. Um, but pick maybe say you're going to take one piece of a couple of different spaces that really make you crazy. Or you're just going to say, you know what, I'm going to take this one room and I'm going to going to multi-function it. Um, I always say to people, before you get a bigger house, figure out what you're not using in your current house and, and, you know, and multitask it. But I ended up doing that because of, of, um, of having, having experience in that made me enjoy doing that. And then when I got out of corporate and I was home with my kids, um, I was always busy. I was always doing something. And um, my mom said, you know what you should do? You've been helping people get their houses ready to go on the market. And you're helping people redesign their houses as their kids are growing or whatever, um, as we do with my friends and stuff. And she said, you know, they pay people to do that. They're called redesigners and stagers. And I was like, oh, I said, well, I don't know. I've got kids and I'm doing the school board. And, and then she said, yeah, but you're already doing it. You might as well get paid for it. So I took courses on staging and redesign. And that's how I got started. Um, and then 2008 hit when there was the real estate crash and everybody was losing their houses and they were underwater on their mortgages. And so people weren't staging because they were just, they're just dumping the house. Um, and somebody kept telling me there's so many people moving now that need help. And some of them are, are, um, are older adults that are, that are elderly that physically can't do it, but are still smart and they know exactly what they want. Um, but at the same time, in this last 20, 30 years, what, 20, 25 years, been this huge advent in 55 plus communities and these new um, upscale senior living communities. So when we talk about senior move management, we're rarely moving people into something like a memory care or a nursing care or personal, even personal care. We're primarily moving people into two and three and sometimes 4,000 square foot luxury homes. Um, and so sometimes it's a lateral move, but they still, still say, I don't want to bring all the kids stuff. You know, we want to do something different. Um, but there's people that are just saying, listen, I'm tired of this house and it's got too many steps and too big of a yard and things. We're going to go buy this other place. And sometimes they're more expensive than what they're in right now. Um, but it's really fun. I love setting up new homes and I can only move so many times myself. Um, so it's really fun to help folks find their their treasures. And then we actually design floor plans for the new places when people are moving. And we take all those pieces that they love and we we put the new home on the computer and we print out each room on a large scale. And then we print out all their furniture pieces on a large scale and cut it out. And then we overlay it where we can play with the pieces. It's really fun. And so um, folks can visualize what their new home is going to look like before they get there. And then we look at that and then we determine by that how many 
many pieces hold stuff and how many closets do you have? And we go back to the, the post-it note thing. So you have 12 bookcases and some of them are built in in your current house and your new house, you're only going to have two. So how do you figure out which two sets of bookcases you're going to take? You're going to go through all your books and you're going to post-it note your books. So that started, it wasn't what I, I always say it was a God thing. It wasn't what I was planning to do, but the need kept coming. And then I got a call one day that this woman who, her husband had been a physician, they were pretty prominent. She was moving and, um, she couldn't figure out how to do the design of her second bedroom. It just was awkward little space. And I said, oh, I'd be happy to do it. And when I went over there, there was an auctioneer and they were taking a lot of stuff and there was boxes everywhere that were packed. And I said, wow. I said, um, and at some point she told me then she was 88 and I thought she was, I don't know. I thought she was 70. She's tall and elegant. And um, I seen her at church and she was active and 88. And I said, who packed up all these boxes? And she said, well, I did. I said, all by yourself. And she said, well, my sister helped. I said, oh, I didn't know you had a sister. And she said, oh, she's she lives in New Jersey. She's been driving two hours each way for five weeks. I said, how I said, I'm assuming this is your younger sister. She said, no, she's 92. Oh, my God. Yeah. She wow. the 88 and 92 year old had packed up that house and they had sorted that stuff and they had it all labeled and organized. Wow. And goals. so. And I can tell you, we have moved in this last year, so many people in their mid nineties that are still driving. They're still sometimes running companies. Some of them still teach. I've got that. I mean, we're talking, this is 30 plus years for me at this point. And I'm looking at this going, I better start taking really good care of myself because these folks are really active, valuable parts of our society. And that's one of the things I love about working with them. They're, they're gracious and grateful. So yeah, so one of the things I really love about the message I want to give to a lot of folks is that, um, is that there are so many people who have survived a lot of other folks that didn't make it that far. Um, there's there's people in their 80s who've survived their adult children who died from heart attacks and diabetes or whatever, um, and they are still vibrant, vital people. They're the people that built our businesses. They. They taught in our universities, they ran our hospitals, um, you know, they created our food in these restaurants and things. And, and there's still, that is still that same person that's inside there. Um, and even though they, they might have some physical issues that are restricting them and some of the things I really want to start this kindness thought process that just because folks are older doesn't mean that they've lost value. In fact, in most cultures of the world, people are revered, elders are revered simply because they lived longer. And that with that comes a lot of wisdom. So that's the other thing I'd say for my 20s and 30 year olds, be careful that you're honoring people. That's really a, a key tenet of our company is that we honor those people that we are um, we are partnering with who have invited us into our home. That's how we say it into their home, but we also honor everything that's important to them. And then we add whether the auctioneer says it has no value or the kids call it junk. And so just know that there's treasures that we each have that if somebody else came into our home would probably think it was junk, um, but it may have a special purpose to you. And that's part of the treasure hunt is to find out from mom and dad, what were your treasures? And then maybe hear the story. Tell me the story about why is this important? And, and you might find that your life becomes richer and your appreciation for mom and dad gets a little stronger because you start to see some of the stories that you've never heard, you know, of the things that they've lived through or their parents lived through um, that just makes them more, more colorful and more valuable. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. I want to 
end with how can people find you? And I ask every guest this on every show, what is a product that you love that you would recommend to the audience? It could be anything. It does not have to do with organization. So how can people find us? We are specialtymovesbydesign.com. We have a website that's got a lot of information on it. Um, it also has my speaking schedule. We're starting to boost up now for the spring. There'll be more and more talks coming on there. Anybody is welcome to most of those. Every once in a while, someone has, it's a private for their private group, but a lot of them are open to the public and you can be any age and come to those. We're also on Facebook. You can find us on Facebook as well. Um, and then a product that I love, 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 love. I got it for myself when I moved into my apartment. So I got this apartment on the third floor because I didn't want anybody above me. And then because I got cathedral ceilings and a good view. But I realize now my garage is not right next to the kitchen anymore. You know, so when you used to park your car and then you walk right in with the groceries and things, all of a sudden I'm thinking, and I got a garage, which is across the the drive at my apartment. So people park right on the curb. Then there's the street and then there's the garages. So all of a sudden I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be schlepping groceries from this garage across the street, across the two cars, into the building, up the steps, and then to the third floor. And I did get an elevator, but it was a lot. So my daughter says, I have something for you. I tried the little carts like you see on the cartoons of the little old ladies, like the little aluminum mesh wire cart or something you can put things in. And I things would fall out the side of it. And I said, this is not working. She found me a pop-up wagon and it collapses to be about this wide and about this far apart and about yay high same as about square and you just pull it apart and it opens up and it has a nylon liner in it on the four sides it has cup holders on the front which is hysterical it's got sturdy black wheels and it's got a long handle That's and so amazing. every time I come in and out I put my things in there um, and it helps my back because everyone's well, if my back's not feeling great. I'm not dragging heavy things. And I've had more people in the, in the apartment community. A lot of them are in their thirties and they look and they go, we need one of those things. And it's really cool. So we now have it at the office too. So when our folks are going out to help people, um, on sorting and decluttering, or if they're packing and unpacking for a move, we found that we usually had things that would get our boxes and things in there. But what everybody does, everybody gets their own shoulder bag that has their own tools for when they're working on a project. And sometimes we have eight or 10 people. And all of a sudden we thought, you know what, put all those in the wagon and it keeps them all together, plus their lunch bags and things. So that's my favorite, favorite thing. I think we got ours for $69 from Target. There's different models out there. So it's not really expensive. And good news, if you're downsizing, it doesn't take up a lot of room. It fits in the back of your car if you need it somewhere. And actually, I just got back from a trip to Ireland and I saw a family in the airport where the dad had the backpack on, mom had the kitty bag, and they had three kids in the wagon going through the airport um, so that they didn't have to chase these little ones. And dad was pulling that very same wagon through the airport. That is genius. And props <laughs> to your daughter for finding that. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This was really insightful and fun to talk to you. Oh, I have loved being with you, Molly. Thank you so much for the invitation. You know, even if you got one good idea from it, I hope it was helpful. Absolutely. Thank you. Take care. If you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to share with your friends, family, loved ones, really anyone who you think would gain value from this episode. And if you're feeling up for it, please subscribe, rate, and review. It means so, so much. Mm -hmm.